0: Closing out a series today that we've been talking about home, and I pray that you sense that the moment that you walk in to this family that you feel at home. Last week, we talked about, you know, some of the stuff and the feeling that you have when you walk into your house, and today, I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of like what does it take to kind of maintain a house, And, and, you know, one thing I don't like to do, I'll just admit it right now, I don't like to clean house, Like, it's really like one of my things that I actually force myself to do it, but I don't really enjoy doing it. But it's something that if you ever had a house or you lived anywhere before, you actually have to clean up after yourselves. Otherwise, the house gets a mess and it gets dirty. Can I get an amen? And nobody likes a dirty house. But today, the Lord took me to an interesting book in the Bible. He took me to uh, this person named Elijah. And it's from 1 Kings Chapter 17. Um, but my question to you is Have you ever been in a situation before where you've kind of fallen on hard times? I'm probably preaching to everybody in this room, right? We've all been through seasons and situations where you have had hard times. And whether you're talking about the context of a home, maybe you moved into an apartment, maybe you had to move back with family members. But there's been seasons in your life where you have kind of struggled and you wondered like, God, where are you at in the midst of this situation? Maybe you've been in a place where death has come knocking at your door before in your life. You got bad news from the doctor. Or maybe you have a family member who got bad news and their health wasn't doing good, but death was knocking at the door or things shifted in a negative way. And it seemed like your whole life suddenly, in a moment, got flipped upside down. Has anybody been there before? So I'm preaching to the right audience today. Maybe someone passed away that you loved. Maybe you got in a situation where you couldn't, Uh, handle your finances correctly and people were calling you and calling you asking you to pay this debt and to pay that debt. Maybe food ran out and you're struggling like, where am I going to eat my next meal? And that's never fun. Especially when you have children and you're trying to figure out like, how am I going to feed my children? Maybe you went to the ATM and you try to get money out or you ever pay for something before, pay for gas, then all of a sudden your card was declined. And you're wondering, like, where is God in the midst of all of this stuff that is going on? But in 1 Kings chapter 17, we read about Elijah. We read about this man who was a prophet from God, and God would speak to him. And he literally was speaking in the beginning of the chapter, and he he, he called a famine on the lands. To where there would be no rain to come down. So there was no crops that were going to be grown. We're not going to go so deep into that story. But I want to take you fast forward to verse 7 through 24 when he was talking to this widow. And this widow didn't really have nothing. And she, she was in a season of life where she was struggling. And one thing I know about a widow, woman especially, that means that she lost her husband. She lost the man of the house. That means her children lost a father. And if you look at everything that is happening, especially in our city, in our state, in the United States of America, and it's probably a global pandemic, is the biggest issue we have isn't COVID. It isn't all this other stuff. It's really a fatherless generation. There's a lot of men and women who have been widowed where we don't have a father in the home. I'm not going to go too deep into that, but I want to read 1 Kings chapter 17. I'm going to start in verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up, and because there was no rain in the land, then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, and stay there. Now this is God speaking to Elijah. I have directed a widow... There to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he had come to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and asked her, would you bring me a little bit of water in a jar so that I could have a drink? As she was going to get it, he says, oh, also, would you mind bringing me a piece of bread? Surely as the Lord your God lives, replied, basically she was saying, You know, I promise to God, I don't have any bread. He was saying, bring me something to drink and also bring me some bread. And she's like, I promise to God, I don't got any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little bit of olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, Lord. I, I pray that you teach us something this day, God. That we're able to connect to Elisha or Elijah, but, or maybe we're able to connect to the widow. Whatever it is, God, teach us something today, God, about your goodness and your grace. That you are our Father in heaven, that you are a way maker and a provider. And we're called to be obedient unto you in Jesus' name. We all say, Amen. So I want to focus on this widow woman who didn't really have much. She was struggling. And I could tell by the last verse that we read that she gave up all hope. She was like, I'm literally going to make this last meal. And I'm at the end of my rope. I got nothing else after this. And here comes this prophet of God. Here comes this man asking her for help. Hey, I need something to drink. Hey, I'm hungry. Actually, bring me some bread as well. And and here's Elijah who didn't have much, and here's this woman who definitely don't have much. She gave up on her home. She gave up on her dream. She gave up trying to provide for her house. She gave up on her family. She just gave up. She's like, I am at the absolute end of my rope. And maybe you've been there before because I know I have. She was in a place where she lost all hope. And she didn't know what tomorrow held. All she knew was, I just had enough for today, and after today, I'm dead because I ain't got nothing else. The job didn't come through. The promotion didn't come through. The relationship didn't come through. I didn't get accepted for the new apartment. That didn't come through. I don't have enough money for my house. That didn't come through. I can't get a vehicle. That didn't come through. She was throwing up her hands, saying, enough is enough. I'm done. Me and my son, we're just going to eat this last meal, and we're going to die. She might have been struggling to keep up and maintain her home because she had lost her husband. And her husband might have been the provider for the home. And so now you see a home kind of falling apart. We see a family falling apart. So what does God do? God sends... Elijah, who didn't have nothing. There was a drought in the land. He was thirsty. He was hungry. He didn't have a lot of money. He didn't have no money. And he said, I'm going to send you to go find this widow woman. Now, Elijah didn't know, you know, the story of the widow woman. He just was obedient to God. God sent a man in need to a woman in need. Isn't that crazy? So check out the beautiful thing about Where two or more are gathered, check this out. We're going to get into this thing. My first point is this. Sometimes it's when we're at the end of ourselves that we're at the beginning of what God wants to do. Yeah, we got to get to the end of our rope sometimes to finally let go and let God. It's in the complete place of surrender that God really starts to have his way. See, sometimes we think we know what's best. And I'm not saying you, can't, you don't have to work. I'm not saying you don't have to hustle. I'm not saying you don't have to grind. But what I am saying is sometimes we take it all on ourselves. And God's saying, no, oh, it's, it's in the place of surrender. It's in the place of giving up that you finally are able to let go. I shared this story before a couple, that was probably a year ago or so, talking about lifeguards. When they train lifeguards, one of my sons was a lifeguard at Camp Gideon one year, and they trained them on how to be a lifeguard. If they, if they see someone drowning, they actually don't jump in right away. They really don't. Because if they jump in right away, the people are so afraid and they're flailing so, so much that they'll grab a hold of the lifeguard. And guess what? The lifeguard will sink with them. Two people will drown instead of one. What they do is they actually wait to the last moment where the people think that, that's it, I'm done, I'm going to drown. And they give up. Or they're so tired that they just give up. They start to sink underwater, the lifeguard jumps in, grabs them. Now they're kind of like, you know, just there. And they're able to rescue them because they were in the place of total surrender and not panic. And so as you're walking through this season of life, no matter what's going on, you're either in one of two places. You're in a place of panic or you're in a place of surrender. The rescuer, Holy Spirit, loves to do supernatural miracles when you're in a total place of surrender. See, when you're in a place of panic, we try to figure it out still. We try to, it's the fight or flight synd- syndrome. Something pops off, something, goes, something gets crazy, we either fight against it. Or we run from it. But there's a third thing. There's a a place of total surrender. I love Matthew 5, 2 and 3. God blesses those who are poor in spirit and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. He's not talking about like a physical poorness. He's talking about a spiritual poorness. When he's saying, yo, God, I ain't got nothing for you. But therefore, I give you my all. The only thing I have is my worship. The only thing I have is my life. I'm gonna surrender this unto you. And he says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's keep reading 1 Kings 17. We're gonna start in 13. Elijah said to her, this is the, this is the man of God. And this is the prophet that God sent. Elijah, and he didn't have nothing. He was asking her for something. You ever been on the side of the road where somebody's like, hey, I'm hungry, or hey, I need a couple dollars. Give me a couple dollars. You're like, I really don't got it. And you really didn't have it. This is what's happening here. Elijah, Elijah is like, hey, I need something to drink, and I also need some food. And she's like, I swear on my mama's mama's mama, <laughs> I got no food, but I do have a little bit of flour. So Elijah says there, do not be afraid. Go home and do as you said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and for your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Check it out. Now he's giving her a word, right? He says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Which leads me to my second point. God always sends a word. He always sends a word. He will always speak to his children. Now she, this this widow woman who didn't have enough, this widow woman who was on her last little bit of food in the pantry, this widow woman who was trying to take care of her son, she could have been selfish and said, you know what? Man, I ain't got enough for you. I'm sorry. I got to look after my son first. She could have been afraid and she could have held on to the little bit that she had. That's what we call a poverty mindset. When we're holding on and we're holding on, it's all ours because we're looking out for self. So therefore, we don't let go and let God because we try to hold on to the little bit that we have. She might have said, if I give you this, I won't have nothing. Or what if she didn't even believe him? She probably was like, man, get out of here. False prophet. Or call him whatever, you know, name in the book. She could have done that. But she, she actually started to believe him. She's like, I know, you know, how, how do we know this is God? Or she might have questioned that. Like, how do I know this is God? God or we might even say how do I know this is God because we struggle with God's voice or we struggle we read his promises but then we struggle you know actually living these things out sometimes God will actually use other people to speak to you and God will speak through other people and not just your pastor I'll never forget, I was praying one time in in a car, and I'm asking the Lord some things, and I seen a semi-truck, and the semi-truck had a slogan on the side of it. And I promise you, God spoke through a slogan on a semi-truck to me. He did. Right there in that moment, God spoke. God will use other people to speak into your life. God will also use his word. You're like, I'm not hearing from God. Well, you're not in his word. You want to hear from God? Get in his word. His word is alive and it's and it's active and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Sometimes you'll read a verse one day and it'll speak to you one way. The next season of your life, you read that verse, it'll speak to you in a different way. Why? Because it's alive. It's alive. Get in his word. Start to communicate to God. Start to pray to him. God, God. Will use his word and God also will confirm his word. Because maybe you a knucklehead, a hard head like me, and you hear him, you see the word, the word is jumping out at you. God is speaking through other people, but you're like, Lord, okay, I heard it three times, but I, I need one more. I need you to confirm it one more time. And so sometimes I'm in seasons of life where I'm like, Lord, okay, I I think I know what you're saying, but I need you to confirm that. And God will confirm his word. We're going to jump into verse 15. She went away and did as Elijah told her to do. There's a word for somebody here. She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jars of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken to Elijah. My last point is this. What are we doing with what we have? What are we doing with what we have? See, this widow woman who had given up hope, thought she was going to die, she still had something. She had something. A little bit of flour and a little bit of oil, even though it was small, even though it might have seemed insignificant to her. When we give God our little, he can do great things. Yeah. When we give God our little things that the world calls insignificant, he can do mighty significant things for the kingdom. So don't ever count yourself out. Don't ever say, "Oh, I only have this." That is more than enough to move mountains. That is more than enough to make a way where there seems like there's no way. He will never lack your supply if you give it unto him. He will never fail you, fail you. He will never leave you. He'll never Luke 6:38 says, "Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over." Will be poured into your lap for whatever measure you use, it will be measured unto you. You know what's interesting with the story when I was reading it the other day. It never says that she had an abundance. It never said that she had so much flour and so much oil it was busting at the seams that she could create a you know a bakery or something and feed the whole neighborhood. It didn't say that. It just said that the little bit she had never ran out. And so some of you are looking at your life, wondering where God is. Because you don't see the big. You don't see, you know, your your gates overflowing and your bank account overflowing. And you don't see all the big things and the new cars and this and that. I'm not saying those things are bad. Those things ain't bad. But what I'm saying is God is in the business of taking care of his children every single day. You don't have to have the big. You don't have to have it all. He will multiply the little things and make sure that you are provided for and taken care of. She just never ran out. This this message isn't so much about God's provision as it's really about being obedient with what you have. What's the reason for your emptiness? Death, debt, disease, despair, destruction. Do you desire a reality of an experience with Jesus? Because I'm telling you, he can make a way where it seems like there's no way. Elijah didn't have nothing, but he was a prophet. He brought a word. This widow woman gave up all hope, but she trusted the word of the Lord. And he provided, he made a way. So in order to maintain a house physically, we got to clean up, we got to pick up, we got to do deep clean, we got to pay bills. But spiritually, we got to pray, and we got to provide. There's two things. One is a prophetic thing: it's prayer, talking to God, communion with God, and provision. It's a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. And we put when all of us together put a little bit in, God is the one who sustains. God sustains the house. God sustains the family. God is the Father in heaven. And four years ago, I'm telling you, when I was praying and we were talking about planting this church, he told us specifically that we were building a house to father the children. He is my Father in heaven. He is your Father in heaven. And he is the reason why we gather here today, to worship him, to surrender to him. But God always uses two people prophet and the widow and together the provision was there and in the house there's real identity in the house there's a father who tells you that you are loved there's a father who tells you that you have purpose and there's a father who Wants you to become mature, a mature follower of Him, a disciple of His Son Jesus, so that every day we are being transformed more into His image, so that what's happening in the house. The house is in this facility, the house is in this building, the house is us. We are the temple of Holy Spirit. So what's happening in the house starts to affect and infect the world, the kingdom of darkness. As we go out there, there are signs right outside these doors that says, "Go into the world and make disciples." So you take the house to the people. And then the people realize there's a father who loves them, who gives them purpose. And so I don't don't know whether you connect to Elijah or you connect to the widow woman this morning, but I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna pray that there's provision for your life. But the first step you have to do is be obedient to what the Lord is saying or what he's already said. I just want to personally thank, as we close in the service, people who actually sow every single week to the vision and the mission, not just of this church, but the mission of the bigger picture of the City Techers movement. Like all these testimonies, all these things that we see and we hear every single week, the stuff we're doing at Georgia Tech, the stuff we're doing at Georgia State University, excuse me or the stuff we're doing on the streets or the stuff we're doing here, the stuff we're doing everywhere is because you give a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And God is the one who sustains. God, listen, we don't have we don't have money busting at the seams, but let me tell you something, God makes a way for us. God makes a way where there seems like there is no way. Why? Because we all are like Acts chapter two, we all put our resources together. And we see what God can do with a little bit, he'll do great things. So for those that sow and tithe and donate, thank you. For those that don't, I want you to pray about starting. I want you to pray about putting a little bit in because the little bit helps and it goes a long way because we are to take care of our house. And there's many people out here who need to be in here. And they're not coming unless we send somebody out there to tell them and so we want to send you we want to train you we want to equip you and we want to send you out into the world to tell people about jesus even if they never come here on a sunday we want to send sunday to them and how do we send sunday to them by sending you and so your resources go towards advancing the kingdom of god so that the poor have items that they need so that the prisoners are visited so that the orphan and widows are touched it's God's heart meaning it's our heart do we have it all figured out no but together we follow the person of Jesus and he has it all figured out maybe you've been holding on this morning saying so you know what I I gotta hold on to the little bit I have. you been holding on to family members. You've been holding on to all types of things. And the Lord is saying, I want you to just surrender everything and trust me that I will provide and I will take care of you. Trust me that I will make a way for you and your son and your daughter and your husband and your wife. Trust me that I'll make a way for your business. Trust me that I'll make a way for ministry to go forth. Trust me. Anybody in this room say, you know what? I've been holding on. I need to surrender. Raise your hand up real tall. Raise it up. It's going to be a lot of us. Raise it up real tall. Say, you know what? I'm ready to surrender everything because I need to be able to walk in real freedom. Let's pray for those. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for those that have been holding on to the old, holding on to the little, God. I pray, Father, that as they release by faith, in the name of Jesus, There is a real freedom and a real provision for them and their family, Lord God. Do what only you can do in this house. Do what only you can do in their temple. Lord, I pray that Holy Spirit just manifest your power, your love, your joy, your peace. That even when it looks like we don't have, that you send a word. And that we are radically obedient to following what you said in your word. So we surrender today. Forgive me, Jesus. There's somebody in here that might not even know him. The first step is surrender and ask him to forgive you of your sins. Meaning to repent, turn the other way. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that Jesus died and he rose from the dead, you will be saved. So pray this prayer with me and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I hate the things I do sometimes. I know you came to this earth and you died for me. And you rose on the third day. So that I could have a relationship with my Father in heaven. Thank you that you'll watch over me, that you'll make a way for me. I love you. As we close the service, the Lord spoke one more thing to me, and he says, the provision is in the house. You hear terms like pro-life, meaning you're for, you know, life of babies provision is you're for the vision. And so the provision for everything that God is doing is with the people that are for the vision. And so we have a lot of vision because there's a lot of people in Atlanta that need to know him. And our heart is his heart. We wish that none perish apart from him. I'm not trying to build a Sunday morning church. What we're trying to do is build the capital C church. And so whether this is 200, 300, 3,000, that doesn't really matter. What matters is are we all being matured into the image of Jesus? Are we all walking out the call that God has for us? Are we all being able to speak and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do we know the gospel? Do we know him? And so that's our heart. Raise up urban missionaries that transform cities. You're an urban missionary whether you like it or not. And me and Tammy love you deeply and dearly. And as we continue to live this thing out, I just want to say this, that we are proud of you. We talk about you all the time. Good stuff, not bad. (laughs) And, And listen to this. We talk about you in other cities, in other spheres, With other people, we just had a pastor's thing, like a Church United pastoral thing. And people, listen, people know about what God is doing here. Other churches, other pastors, other leaders. I was just in Charleston, South Carolina with Maverick City Music and these guys, and they know what God is doing here. The fruit of your labor, the fruit of Jesus is being manifested and multiplied all over the nation. So you feel, stop believing the lies that you're all alone. Stop believing the lies that, oh, I'm insignificant. I don't got no talents. I I can't sing good. I can't do this good. I can't speak good. Y'all hear me stutter all the time. I, I, I was never a public speaker, but God. But God. The widow woman didn't have nothing. She lost her husband. She had children, but God. Oh, I can't sing good. I don't even know how to pray, but God. Just start opening up your mouth. Just start putting yourself in uncomfortable places and watch God start to stretch you and mold you and push you into purpose. But God. I want a promotion. I want this. I want that. But God. I don't have the right degree, but God. Father, we just give you all. Everything today. We surrender all. Bless your children today, God. Watch after your children today, God. Speak to your children today, God. For your servants are listening. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this house. I thank you for what you're doing with this church. Crossover ATL and I thank you what you're doing with the City Takers movement, God, because we're all a part of that. We're an army that sticks together. It's willing to go to war together. And we thank you for General Jesus that will speak to us, God, that will go before us, that has our back and our sides, our top and our front. You surround us with your love. Now help us to be carriers of your grace and your love and your mercy. Lord, I pray for provision for anybody that's struggling in this room right now. I pray that you multiply the flour and the oil. And they never run out. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said, amen, amen, and amen.